Welcome back to the Manga Revolution Podcast, your home for the best in-depth commentary on the latest news and, and reviews for the manga and anime industry. I'm your I'm your host, Kevin, and with me today is Rock. How are you, Rock? Kevin, good as always, my friend. Good, good, good. I'm glad glad to hear that. Um, so, uh, so this week, we're going to be discussing all the latest chapters that came out this month for My Hero Academia, Spy X Family, Kaiju Number 8, Dragon Ball Super, and Sakamoto Days. But before we get into that, I wanted to get into some housekeeping as always. Um, you could download the Manga Revolution podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and any other podcast service you could find online. And you could also, um, we would really appreciate you rating and reviewing us five stars in all these platforms so we could get up in the rankings. And then if you want to also follow more of our work, you could go on comicbookrevolution.com to where you could find our reviews, commentary pieces, and things like that on both comic books and manga industry. And you can follow me on Kevin Eldro Seven on Twitter and Instagram, and the Concrete Revolution at CB Revolution, and a, and this Manga Revolution podcast at the Manga Podcast on Twitter. How where can we find you, Rock? Uh, you can check me out on Twitter at Rock Two Ks Revolution, and over on Instagram at Rock Two Ks Revolution. Perfect. Well, as you could tell, I'm trying to bust this out quick because we got a lot of things to talk about this month because there's actually quite a bit of things that have happened to all the recent chapters. So are you all prepared for this rock to get get, get going? Get at it. Yeah, there is a lot. So hop so, into it. All right. Awesome. Well, let's talk first jump into My Hero Academia, which released their chapters 325 through 327. Uh, we start off with the aftermath of Ochako's speech and Still, people are riled up, even though like Coda and uh, the Wolf Quirk uh, woman that Izuku saved earlier, they're trying to comfort him. There's still a lot of people that are still angry. There's still people like they're still putting us in danger. But Izuku says that, hey, I'm going to I am. I promise that I am going to rest. And once as soon as I'm rested and cleaned up and everything, I, me and my friends will be going back out and making sure to bring the world back to what you guys know and make and have the comfortable lives you've had which kind of calms the, the crowd down enough for everybody to go into UA high school, into all the shelters and things like that. Um, and this, and as that is going on, Aizawa, we finally see Aizawa and he, um, we learned that he has a new prosthetic leg, uh, similar to what Miriko has, the, the rabbit hero. And he gets updates on all the things that were happening in UA high school. And this is where we also learned that right now there's a bunch of doctors working to um, to reverse engineer the Kuru, uh, Kurugiri's uh, Nomu transformation in order to try and see if they could get answers about all for one. Um, and so they're still working on that. So while that's going on, uh, Toshinori Yagi, All Might, um, still can't face Deku. So he decides to drive to Kamino where uh, Class A and Izuku had their fight um, and which happened to be where like All Might statue is located. And he's starting to think like I I failed and my my legacy is a failure. Um, This is where finally we get Stain to confront uh, Toshinori. And he does not believe that Toshinori is All Might, even if when Toshinori briefly for a second transforms into All Might, he still says, calls Toshinori a, a fake and that he is not living up to All Might's legacy. And that basically saying that um, Toshinori is, is just a fake and um, that All Might's legacy is actually being carried on by the next generation of, of students. And this is where we also see uh, a, the last person that... Uh, Toshinori, as All Might saved during the Kamino incident, um, c- comes in and cleans up the uh, vandalized All Might statue. And that Estaina once again says, hey, look, look at her. She still believes in the legacy of All Might. And that that is what um, the, the next generation is carrying on. So there's no point in you trying to say that All Might's legacy is a failure. And Stain ha- hands Toshinori over some information that 
from his time in Tart- Tartarus, uh, the, the, the huge supermax prison for villains, um, about what he learned from about all, all for one and other things like that. And also tells All Might, um, puts a, a knife down and says, use that knife to kill me if you think that I, I as the hero killer stain, should, should die. So, and we don't see what Toshinori's uh, decision is there, but uh, we do see, like back at UA High School, Yuzuku is finally able to get a shower for once so that he stops stinking. And like he's there with all his friends and everything. So it's all cleaned up. And um, afterwards, Yuzuku is still thinking of All Might because he he did say a lot of bad things to All Might during their, at the end of their journey that they had out. Um, and that, that, that is where All Might reappears. Toshinori check, checks on him and, and Yuzuku and Toshinori make up. And from there, Yuzuku is finally able to relax. And as all his classmates are asking him, hey, can you tell us more about One for All? He just passes out. Um, this is where Jiro decides, hey, you know what? We should try and make things a little bit more calm at UA High School. So let's reform the band from the uh, culture festival. So there, there's that decision. And while that's going on, we also see that Endeavor, Hawks, and Best Genius have been able to decipher the information for that Stain gave All Might. And they are actively working to find the villains because it was revealed in that info that um, there's only two months left before Shigaraki's one for all transformation is complete. So they have to rush to to stop uh, Shigaraki's full transformation into one for all. And that's kind of where we leave off the these three chapters that we got for My Hero Academia. Rock, what did you think of uh, this month's uh, My Hero Academia chapters? Overall, I, I enjoyed it. A bit of a mixed bag for me. Chapter 325 kind of continued what I, uh, similar complaints I had with the you know, 324 from the last episode where I felt like we were just kind of dragging our feet a bit too much and kind of just rehashing well-worn ground. So chapter 325, I just kind of want to be move it on, move it on, move it on. You know, I wanted Horikoshi just get to it already. So I wasn't crazy about that chapter. That just kind of felt like filler to me. But Horikoshi totally paid me back with chapter 326 which i thought was fantastic mainly because stain is my favorite character in this entire series i love me some stain there just gets no better than him he is awesome as a matter of fact my favorite episodes of the anime are the ones involving stain the animation the music (laughs) everything it's just so awesome yeah (laughs) so and it was cool to see stain you know not, not doing a total baby face turn but being true to the core traits of his character, right? He's always he's always considered these heroes to be frauds. And we've largely seen, Kevin, that a lot of these heroes have turned out to be frauds with the ones who have quit and retired and run away, right? So it's kind of like Stain was proven right over the past story arc about these fraudulent heroes. And so having Stain seek out All Might to give him this information so that he might defeat the ultimate bad guy, it it made sense. It was consistent with Stain's character. It's not Stain suddenly becoming a good guy. It's not Stain suddenly acting completely out of character. This is very consistent in who he is. He wants a real hero. That's what he wants. He wants a real hero to save society. And Toshinori was that guy. And even though Toshinori is no longer, uh, you know, one for all, he's passed that power on to Deku. The fact is Toshinori is still the guiding influence on Deku. 
and he's still <laughs> vitally important. And I think staying, getting, you know, making Tushinori realize all the good he did to maintain his his hopeful attitude is vital in him guiding the next generation yeah. to success over the bad guy. So I thought this was really good character work with Stane's character and and also with Toshinori too. Yeah, and what's interesting is that like Horikoshi is using Stane to play with the idea of the anti-hero because yep. he was um, basically like the Punisher of this series, but mm-hmm. we see that he's not like the really the Punisher. He's more so like his own version of an what we consider an anti-hero yep. um and because we saw it also like in his uh previous uh appearances too that like he doesn't like villains either like he, he right right he'll, he'll defeat he'll, he'll kill villains as well like or uh-huh. he hates villains even more yep. um to be honest but uh he just doesn't like the idea how um the pro hero uh, label like that's yep. really like yep. because so many people were like you said were living on that pro hero about fame and fortune and we, uh-huh. like you said, we like we've he, Stain has actually been proven right at in the right. long run uh, about that because we've seen so many heroes quit because they're uh, because they're not getting that fame, fortune, and praise that so many of them sought because they, that's what the pro hero um, job was. Yep. And so it is actually interesting, but also like Stain also recognizes that all the heroes that are remaining are kind of the true heroes, and that like he does see like right. especially like Izuku's class, like class one A as that future because they they are the ones that actually grew up in all might's kind of society that like are carrying on his torch and he even brings that up of how like your torch is being carried on by that next generation because that's the world that they know they know the all might hero the super basically our superman that that's what the Mm -hmm. society that they know so they will carry on your legacy and like him taking a I, i like that he was taking offense to toshinori's entire like woe is me act because yes. it's like you are yeah. not the all might that that gave so many people hope and, and right. uh, for for a better future like what are you doing and so i like that he's just calling him out and at the same time he's not like even though he puts his sword against like uh toshinori's like face and everything he never it never seems like he's gonna it's, kill toshinori no. it's like he's just trying to wake him up of like realizing that hey you, everything you're saying about what you did as all might is not is not true you actually did a lot of good and just wake up and realize what the good that you did it was more like tough love than yeah. actually being threatening that's all yeah exactly and like even showing like oh the, the woman that he saved that which is literally like the last person that he was able to save right. before um he lost his full transformation when he defeated uh one for all in that big fight at camino it's like yep. again just examples of like hey there's a lot of people that still look up to all might even if like right now we are living in a chaotic uh world mm-hmm. the, the hope you gave a lot of people is still there and it's going to just burn right. brighter because that next generation is carrying it on and i think that's a really important message especially as we're yeah. getting into even bigger more darker stuff that you are reminded that there's a lot of hope in this world and that's important because at even though the pastoric has really gotten darker and darker in 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 terms of the entire mood of the of the of the manga, it's important to keep in mind that at its core, My Hero Academia has always been about hope and positivity, always. So I'm glad that we're seeing that, that those two themes get reintroduced, put a spotlight on them, right? Because it has been dark the past yeah. story arc, and I, I'm glad to see Horikoshi's like, hey, don't forget at, at the end of the day. 
my universe is still about a message of hope and positivity. And I don't want to lose that. I don't want, it's like Horko. She's like, I don't want to get too dark here. I don't want to yeah. become Frank Miller's Batman. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and this is more of just like, we're still in the Superman story. Cause this is really right. like at the end of the day, like what my hero academia more so than anything else is like super, a Superman story of like the rise Definitely. of like Superboy to Superman type thing. Yes. Um, and, and it's, good that these chapters especially these three because like like you're right the uh, 325 is just a continuation of um right what we were already getting with our speech we're kind of getting the aftermath of that but i think these three chapters in general just play off as like reset points really that we needed Absolutely. after everything that's been going on yeah. because we're still we are still going off from what all the revelations from the um from the previous story arc yep. where with uh shigaraki and the villain uh league of villains just decimating the world basically because of the, uh, the idea of heroes and everything else and like that and then yuzuku's entire journey of like almost basically become like killing himself mm-hmm. um and so we just really did need these three chapters to kind of reset all the characters back into like a comfortable place where they actually could yes. re- like even rest like give the readers time to rest as well and figure out like hey now we have this timetable of two months for our Shigaraki, um, so which kind of gives a sense of urgency, but at the same time gives time for these characters to like readjust to what the new normal is. Because that's like that's the one thing that these characters haven't had is readjusting to the new normal. They're just like been thrusted into it without mm-hmm. like time to actually adjust to it. So, um, no, so I think that I, was important. Uh, important. I agree on, with on you. I think you. You got your finger right on it. Because I was disappointed with, you know, chapters 324, 325. I thought they were dragging and not really doing much. 327, while not much happens in it, right? We can agree. Not much happens in that chapter. It is a big catch-your-breath moment, not just for the characters, but for the reader, too. But I loved it because it's what you said. It's not, not only is it resetting everything. It is, for sure. It's also reminding you of all the wonderful team-oriented stories we got earlier in this series and how awesome it is to see all these characters together, their chemistry, playing off each other, their personalities. It's a bit more lighthearted, right, with the with the guys bathing <laughs> Midoriya. It's yeah, really yeah. funny. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and then I mean, like, it's just good comedy. And then, like, even, like, Jiro, like, saying, hey, you know what, we should, it's just still, like, the, the mood is still not great here at UA High School, so let's reform the band from the culture. Yes. So it was, like, little things like that. I'm just, like, it does actually make me excited to see the band back reformed. Yes. I wasn't expecting that, but it was, like, yeah, of course, they like, yes, yes, the mood is still pretty dark here, so, like, why not yeah. just kind of Class A reform the band that they had with Bakugo and the others? Uh, 327 was some much-needed lightheartedness to the story, and... It really chapter 327 really made me happy. Really kind of renew. I've always liked this title, but I think my interest was flagging a little bit uh-huh. there. It was just the Deku show. Yeah. And I feel recharged now. Yeah. I feel reinvigorated. I'm really excited and pumped for the next story arc because Horikoshi made a point in chapter 327, Kevin, of telling the reader, hey, this is going to be a team adventure. Now, Deku's yeah. still going to be the star, but Going forward, I mean, he made it, he maybe yeah. put a spotlight on it. This is going to be a team adventure going forward. We're going to work together as a team, help each other out. Yeah. And, and I like, loved it. Well, yeah. Like, one thing that really stood out was like, uh, Shoto Todoroki, like, talking to his classmates too, of saying, Hey, yeah. like, I could have easily left UA high school to go just hunt my brother down as well. But I realized that that wouldn't have helped anybody. That would have 
hindered me, not only me, but the perception of the Todoroki family. Actually, yes. the best thing for for me and just the perception of my family is actually staying at at UA High School because they showed they could actually see a positive hero. Because especially with Endeavor, like even though Endeavor is still out there, people don't like Endeavor right now. Mm-hmm. So I need I need to be that one Todoroki family member that actually people see as like still hopeful, guiding light, and then like he he recognized that his friends could help him with that because people see yeah. like his friends as positive light. He could like kind of get help with that. And still, while still looking for his brother. I totally agree. Uh, look, I, I maintain that in chapter 327 is good evidence and proof of this. I maintain that my hair academia, when focused on UA in this class is giving us the best Legion of superhero style storytelling <laughs> we've got in Kevin in a decade. And shame on you, DC, for letting that happen. <laughs> and, and no, ones- if you like something like that, if you're a fan of old Legion, old, old Paul Levitt's, you know, Legion, Jeff Johns Legion, yeah. this, this has that vibe. When they're at UA, you just get that vibe. And it's just mm. exciting. I just love all these characters. Yeah. I, I just, they're so fun. They're so great to see them interact. They're just, it's just a blast. Yeah. And the one interesting thing with, with where, the point that we are with My Hero Academia, and you've brought this up at various points especially like in this the past year of chapters that we've gotten mm-hmm. is that you're really starting to see Horikoshi get into that Naruto Dragon yes. Ball One Piece star- style in terms of his artwork where you could yep. tell like the chapters that are or the chapters or the character moments that are incredibly important is because he puts so much detail like that's where yeah. you see the evolution of his artwork mm-hmm. is in those moments where like the big moments but then when in the subtle moments the, the slower moments you could see that he's kind of just get, like Oh, not not rushing through it, but it's not as detailed as it's, it's like he's like I, I I could just put out like kind of almost not not mi- I don't want to say minimal effort because it's a lot of work to get these <laughs> chapters done, but you're not seeing as much detail put into to uh, like certain chapters or certain or like pages and stuff like that yes. because you're like I need to save my detailed artwork for the big moments and we've we've seen this as like with manga artists as they evolve, especially yes. with with My Hero Academia being a weekly ske- on a weekly schedule, right? And like. Horikoshi's artwork has evolved uh, since chapter one and it so has. like but even though his with, with his artwork evolving that means that there's so much more detail in like the big moments but then like, right. the smaller moments you, you could kind of start to tell especially in these three chapters you're like oh you could tell like the moments where it's like I, I could put I don't have to put as much detail into this and that that's absolutely totally fine you can t- look you're right you could absolutely see that in these three chapters 325 to 327 it's it is quite apparent to the reader okay horikoshi i don't think is hiding it at this point at all yeah. and you're right you don't want to say it's it's not mailing it in it's just judicious use of his time and energy kevin yeah and you can tell when horikoshi's like this is important boom really amazing detailed art this isn't important it's gonna be it's gonna be fine it's gonna be passable okay it's not offensive but it's nothing it's nothing great it's, yeah. and, and the reader clearly can tell it the, the interesting part of that is it is a visual cue to the reader of what Horikoshi thinks is really important in the story. Yeah. And, which, and, it's, and I'm fine with this. On a weekly schedule, I do not expect the artist to be able to deliver the same kind of detail that Horikoshi delivers in some of these panels, the real big ones, you know, where it's really beautifully detailed art. It's impossible for him to do this on a weekly schedule. I mean, he's yeah. a human, not a machine. <laughs> yeah, well, and you could kind of see that in just like 327 um, yeah. itself too, where like the the bath scene is not as very detailed, but then when you get the, the that splash, the splash shot of like the classmates and yes. that like 
because that splash shot of the entire class A, like with Deku resting on the couch, is supposed to bring hope to a reader. And you could tell that he made sure to, he wanted to make sure every character in class A was detailed detailed out and stuff like that. So it's little things like that, or like even like the Stain chapter that preceded this, like Stain is very detailed in all his, like every time he's on the page of like saying something, Stain is very detailed of how like he is drawn and like every, every action that he makes compared to like, like what we got in like 325 or 327 that you could kind of tell like again it's not Mm -hmm. not mailing like you said it's not mailing it in but it's just like oh i don't have to put as much detail into these or like as heavy inking with my assistants let's focus on the big character moments to make sure that those are emphasized through through our work yep agreed agreed absolutely all right awesome well is there anything else that like stood out to you with with this uh in these chapters for my hero academia no, other than one last little thing, Endeavor. I like my Endeavor, Kevin, to be more of an asshole. <laughs> I just want to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he has a lot. He was too he nice, Kevin. He was he, too nice. He can't be an asshole right now. And that actually does bring up one interesting thing is that, like, I did notice that it was mentioned that Endeavor isn't actually stepping into UA High School when the whole thing happened. And he still right. feels that so much shame. And it's yep. um, it's going to be interesting where they take the Endeavor arc because, like, it, it he yep. is clearly keeping his distance from like almost all of society and the only people that he's interacting with so far that we've seen is that is best genius hawks and totoro and his son uh shoto yep like he hasn't really interacted with anybody else he's like keeping his distance from everybody but it's also because he knows that he effed up and his own family history right catching up to him <laughs> all, all the bad stuff that he's done in his life yeah. to get to that number one pro hero uh, marker is ca- caught up to him so it's going to be interesting to see what his redemption arc is going to be because oh yeah like, I know that a lot of people fell in love with his character because of how he's an asshole, but at the same time now we're yes. seeing that asshole, like him, him suffering the consequences of being such an asshole. Can we redeem him, but still let him be an asshole, Kevin? Can, can Horikoshi <laughs> pull that off? Is it possible? <laughs> it is That's possible. I want, we, we, we I want him that. redeemed. We, we see it like, like, I'm not sure if you're reading our most recent Batman's comic books, but we see that with like Batman a lot, when, okay. especially when he's interacting with like the Batman family. It's like, it's right. not impossible because we know like from comic books, like Batman is an asshole at the end of the right. day, but right. there, like, there's certain relationships that he has that make him like, you see the, the good that it's not just pure darkness that he lives in. And it feels like right. Endeavor's kind of in that similar yes. type type thing of like, there's a lot of darkness in him, but then he has Shoto and like his relationship with Hawks, best genius that are positive. And then hopefully maybe yep. he could translate that to like the rest of society without losing all of his previous personality except being the abusive person that he used to be <laughs> yes it'll be interesting to see where we go from here so so yeah so it'll, it'll be interesting day and i'm glad that you brought that up because endeavor is definitely being set up as having a major character arc especially right. it looks like we're, we are going to be um based on the teaser for uh, 327 we are going to get the villains back into the fold like the big villain so yep. it's gonna be i'm gonna be interested to see what villain from the League of Villains is the first one that we see a pop up and maybe Endeavor. It looks like is going to be dealing with first. Yeah, because we actually haven't seen we haven't we haven't seen any of the League of Villains uh, people yet. Like we saw oh. Muscular, but like it yeah. seems like Muscular wasn't part of those. He was just a he's kind a of solo. Just... He was solo, yeah. solo yeah. act when we saw him fight Izuku in the time skip. But so like it's going to be pretty interesting to see who that next villain we see pop up. Agreed. So, all right, awesome. Well, what, what would you uh, rate uh, these chapters for My Hero Academia, Rock? 
Really tough, Kevin. Oh gosh, this is really tough because I I just loved chapter 327 and 326 having stain. But 325 pulls my grade down a bit, but it's stain still. Okay, I'll go eight night girls out of ten for the story. And for the art, it was good. There were no blowaway moments because there's no action. In, in these three chapters. So that's always going to limit the dramatic nature of the artwork. Yeah. I'll go seven night girls out of 10 for the art. Yeah. And I think I'm right there with you with that is that eight night girls out of 10 for a story and seven night girls out, out of 10 for the art. I think with, with the art, I think it was at best during the stain chapter in 326. Yes. And like with stains detailed, and then there are a few moments in 326 that the artwork really stands out. But yep. outside of that, like I, I don't think this is the strongest we've seen my hero academia, especially recently. Agreed. Um, so but it's still good, solid stuff that um, gets the job done. So, again, mm-hmm. overall, a good seven and a half for me. So, um, all right. From there, we're let, let's move on into Spy X Family, where we got chapters 52 and 53, which is basically just one big extended fight scene of seeing yep. your uh, forager just kicking the ass of every assassin that's coming her way. She obviously gets some, <laughs> some help from her director that's like in a sniping position, but it's mostly just all your show. And Yor is actually able to take care of all the assassins that surrounded her and Oka. Um, and as like the director's cleaning up, sweeping up like the assassins that York uh, beat up and everything so that they could clean up so that make sure that they don't leave any evidence. Even more, a couple more assassins and come out and these are actually even more skilled assassins than the ones that Yor was fighting. And while Yor does struggle with these guys, she does end up defeating them, but she did struggle a little bit. And this is where her like a couple of her injuries and then just her exhaustion is really kicking in. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that she kind of lets her guard down and two more assassins, like one, one of the guys that was like using his uh, scent, like sense to uh, find your the entire time yeah. finally comes out and confronts her with another guy. So, um, and they are actually able to take out the director right away. Um, your um, tries to fight back but again she she is injured she does have a couple injuries and she's also very exhausted and and the assassin the assassins are able actually to not knock her knock her down and almost put her into a state of consciousness and as she's in the state like where she's kind of coming in and out of consciousness she remembers her family like with um growing up with her brother and just anya and and lloyd and then also oka and just kind of remembering family um and how important that is to her and she decides, you know what? I cannot let this be how how things end. So she uses like the the power of family to power up, and we see her like her hair come down, and she's <laughs> ready to just just uh, fight these last two assassins that are after her with all her might. And she's and we see again, she's all kind of bloody as well. So it's going to be that's kind of where we leave off the, these chapters of Spy X Family. It's not not a lot not a lot in terms of story, but we do get no. a lot of just action. These are action oh, yeah. chapters. So, Rock, what did you think of these two chapters of Spy X? I loved them. I thought they were fantastic. It, yeah, you're right. It's 100% action. Don't worry about plot progression, Kevin. Don't worry about scintillating dialogue, character work, chemistry, all that. Blah, 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 blah. Doesn't matter. This is all about finally getting to see your just kick tons of ass, which is so cool and much needed because I think in... Up till now, um, I think that Endo has probably spent, it's fair to say that Endo has spent more panel time investigating Lloyd 
and his adventures than he has your. I think yours kind of taken a back seat, yeah. um, you know, for the most part. So it's nice that this story arc has really focused in on your and what she's going through personally in this new relationship with Lloyd and Anya. And the action is, is phenomenal. And what's so great about it is Endo, not only is Endo delivering kick-ass action, but he's able to use the action to deliver what is some surprisingly good character work with Yor in chapter 53 that Kevin, honestly, I didn't see coming. I thought we were just going to get lots of action. I didn't expect some legit, and this is legit character work. Kevin, this might be some of the biggest character work that we've got on yours character in, I don't know, since the beginning of this manga when we first got introduced to the characters. Don't you yeah, think? I agree. Yeah, and, and, and I like it, and I like it a lot because it continues. It it we find, Your has needed something, I think, to really... Um, provide her her source of inspiration and reason for being and reason for doing what she was doing and, and she, we, we referenced that originally uh, her her whole reason for doing things was uh her younger brother right that that's yuri was why she was who she was to protect him to take care of him because he's her younger brother and she's the older sister they didn't have parents so she had to take care of him she had to be the mom essentially so her whole life has been about making the world safe for her brother so he can be okay and it's this dawning realization that everyone kind of goes through at some point in life and and it's like yuri's not just her brother i think he's really her son Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and you see that a lot when when older siblings have to raise yeah, their younger sibling because it's a family problem. I mean, I think yeah. we've seen that a lot. I've had friends that had to do that, and it, she's kind of looking at her son. It's the moment the parent has when they realize, "Oh my God, this child that I have been doing everything for does not need me." Which is a wonderful moment for a parent to be in, right? You've succeeded as a parent mm-hmm. when your child can take care of themselves and be successful. Like you've you've done your job, you succeeded. High five! But then there's that feeling of emptiness. Yeah. Of, of a lack of purpose and direction in your life when you do, when you've spent you know 20 years taking care of another human being yeah and that's a lot <laughs> yeah and that was actually like a big uh like in the setup chapter four this entire story arc where like basically the prelude of the story arc was like we had that one meeting with uh, you are and her brother in the train in the train if you remember and like she had that same feeling of like she's actually saw like Oh, my brother has a job, has a lot, has an entire life. Like, so everything I was working for, like her being an assassin, the reason why she was being an assassin, right? I, I don't need to be this, and this is kind of the entire setup of this entire story of like, she doesn't need to be in the assassin world because like her reason for being in the assassin world isn't there anymore because she was successful in le- raising her bro- big little brother, and yep. he's living his own life. So we we have seen that she, like. In, throughout this mission, she's back into the assassin world, so she's been thinking of just being in this. Yep. But now she's like realizing, "Hey, oh yeah, my br- the reason for me doing this, I don't need, I don't have it anymore because my brother's right. grown up. He's 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 well well adjust, well adjusted enough. He still well, has, oh yeah, I was gonna he, say <laughs> he, he has he has his uh, 
he has his sister. That's like get carried away, right? <laughs> he has his sister conflict and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah, <laughs> but um, that she doesn't really realize. But still, uh, but, but she she's done at least a good enough job where he's living his own life and right. stable and stuff like that. Yeah. So, and I think that's important also where we have now Anya and Lloyd in in her life and like that memory of of them and like how that pushes her forward now too because. Yes. With her brother's memory, she's like, oh, okay, I could quit this. But now, like, then she's like, oh, yeah, I still have Anya and Lloyd in my life. Right. I have this new family to... And Bond. To lo- get Bond. Yeah, Bond, yeah. <laughs> and Bond, and Bond too. Yeah, you're right, Bond. Can't forget Bond. So, so it's like... And I like it, that. I yeah. like that she has that realization that when she... Because she's really... She no longer has a reason to be an assassin. She's thinking of quitting. Not just thinking of quitting, being an assassin, Kevin. I think she's thinking about just laying down and dying right here during this fight is really what it is i yeah, think she's just yeah. ready to give up the fight and die yeah and like i've done my job in this world i can pass on i think that's what it is she's ready to die mm-hmm. until lloyd anya and bond her new family give her a reason to live to yeah. continue to fight on be who she is and i love that because i love this feeling of family that that Spike's family has because you and I talked about in the past year about this manga. It's so easy to be cynical about families and relationships these days that I love that Endo really takes the nuclear family as unconventional as this one may be. Okay. (laughs) It's still a nuclear family and he puts it on a pedestal and says, this is a great thing. It's a great thing for everyone involved in this family unit. All of them benefit from it. All of them become better from it. And it's such a positive image that you, a positive message that frankly, Kevin, in this day and age, you don't see a lot of positive messages anymore. And I like it. And also it kind of furthers the tension, right? Because let's be honest, it, there's the sexual tension there between Lloyd Mm-hmm. And your, and we continue to what endo continues to get us, Kevin, wondering, it, is this something more? Is it not just yeah. she cares for Lloyd and Anya, but there's it's more than just caring for someone yeah. that there's that love there that this is going to is this going to he's been teasing with this for a while. He's going to yeah. keep teasing it, of course, because that's yeah. that's humor. But he keeps it going here, too. Yeah, and we see that where, where she even brings up that, oh, you know what? I think Lloyd will be okay with me going all out as the Thorn Princess. And, like, if right. I do something, she he'll forgive me. So, right. like, obviously, right. like, she also has, like, Lloyd in terms of, like, not, not just, like, her family in mind, but also, like, as a relationship. Um, Bingo. So, yep. it's definitely yep. interesting. And, again, it's just so awesome to see, like, how you're, uh, like, in her full Thorn Princess mode of just, like, yeah. annihilating all this. And then just, yeah. Endo does such a good job also, like, Oh. With all this like high action, we also get some cool comedy of like the director like sweeping up all the people that like are your your yes. defeated and everything. So like they gotta <laughs> clean up before they the, before the helicopter comes in and they're like right. you just see that in the background as Oka as uh, <laughs> Oka is getting checked on and by by your and stuff. So it's like a little still right. reminder that this is a comedy series that you're not supposed to oh, take yeah. this completely serious. Like yes, there's a lot yeah. of people that are like oh maybe dying or se- severely injured, but at the same time there's yes. The series at the at its core is like a action comedy, and it's more like Absolutely. comedy action, really. So, so we Absolutely. still we still have that, and I thought that was like a little funny thing, and like kind of just calm things down a little bit. See that, and just just that reminder that of what the series is to you. Totally agree, and the artwork is as always, Kevin. I thought. 
the art is fantastic. Endo is such a talented artist. I just, I just love how he draws everything. He can draw the plot scenes as well as he can draw the action scenes. And his action scenes, I thought, in these two chapters were phenomenally dynamic. I mean, the action leaps off the page at you. It is just, it is so invigorating. It is so exciting. The action scenes are so captivating. It, it really just snatches you by the collar yeah. and shakes you around. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, it, I think it, involved in the story. I think what, what Endo really is like a master of is like the minimalist art style where yes. like his characters aren't incredibly detailed, but he oh. maximizes like the art style that he has, which is like very minimal in terms of detail, but he knows how to make sure that it's as dynamic as possible. Yeah, and that's crazy because you're right. It, his art style is, it is minimalist, but at the same time, it is very slick. Yeah. And is it possible to be, to have, to be minimally minimalistly detailed art. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, he does slick and polished looking yet. Yeah. Minimalist. Yeah. And that's what I mean. That's, and that's why I want to use like the word more minimalist than like simple. Yeah. It's not simple. It's not simple. No, not at all, but it's more minimalist where in terms of like detail, you're going to get like, we just talked about my hero academia where like Harakoshi puts a lot of detail in his art, especially in the big moments. Endo here in Spy X family doesn't do that. Even in the big moments, it's still like he keeps his art style consistent throughout. Yeah, I was gonna say, and I think he's more consistent, isn't he? And then also like it leads into just all the action being more fluid. Everything has like a sense of motion. And I think that's yep. what he does such a good job in is using his the art style that he has established for this series yeah. and yeah, translate it into the action so that we when we see your fight and everything feels like smooth like a ballerina like she's a very much in a ballerina of like how she goes oh, about yeah. fighting everybody and like doing all her rapid movements and everything like mm. that it it does feel like a dance like we saw it in, in that one ballroom scene like in earlier yes. chapters too so um and again he has like a very good sense of motion and, and all that he does have, and i'm glad you brought up because it is like a dance his sense of motion is wonderful it is like a dance and it's even in look how she's dressed she's dressed to go out yeah. dancing right she's yeah. in an evening gown and heels so she's dressed to go out dancing and this fight in this outfit is a really violent dance and that's yeah. her style of fighting and it really it comes the art is it's beautiful it yeah. really is beautiful and as always the facial expressions are are very wonderfully done with a touch of humor at times and and some intensity and I, I just or as a point of example for people when you're when you're reading this in chapter 53, when Yor gets taken out, it, her facial expression is like woo, like you can see the little cuckoo, cuckoo birds, right? As she gets and, taken and like out. Are the, star, the stars in her eyes. Yeah, and- yeah. And then when she and she decides she's gonna not, she's not gonna roll over and die, she's gonna fight for her family, Lloyd and Anya. Her eyes get all like psycho big. <laughs> yeah. And I and I like that that that's kind of Endo's own way of giving her a super saiyan transformation because yes. even her, her hair is let down. Her so hair gets a comes down like, long yeah and, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that it's like her own yeah. version of super saiyan and she's like using yeah using, using the power of her family to power herself up so it's Again, so it's, it's good, good isn't stuff. it yeah the, the final shot uh, on uh the final one page spread shot of chapter 53 is great she stands up she's ready to fight and you're right her hair's all long and flowing like in the wind yeah. kind of like she's that, that, powered up she's ready yeah. to go it's just a cool that, ending that, that's a the next chapter. That, that's a cover page poster style, poster style oh, artwork yeah. there. So yeah. like, I wouldn't be surprised agree. if we saw that as like a one of like the cover pages for a volume or something like that yep. too. Totally agree. Totally agree. 
So, but all right, awesome. Well, is there anything else that stood out to you here at Spike's Family 5253? No, no. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. What would you rate overall these uh, two chapters that we got for Spike's Family? I'm going to go, I'm going to do the story, uh, eight night girls out of 10. I really, I really liked it, even though there's not a lot of story, story, technically speaking, until you get to the end of chapter 53. Just really good action. So, eight night girls out of 10 seems good. And the art, I'm going to give it nine night girls mm-hmm. out of 10 for the art. This is, I just think these two chapters are absolutely beautiful. Yeah. I think for me, I'm just going to go eight night girls out of 10 for across the board. Again, I think we're on the same page in terms of just, Again, these are two chapters are are great. I think the only slight little thing is that the, this story arc is starting to wear oh, thin a little bit. Like where we we need to get to the end. I uh, hopefully like Agreed. the next chapter is is the end Agreed. of the story arc because we've had a lot uh, of this. And again, yes. while it was super awesome seeing your yours uh, huge fight and just that showcase of her ability, I'm ready for this story arc too. And again, that's not a detriment to this. Like these two chapters at all, these are great chapters. Yep. But hopefully, like we get an ending here resolved in this next month's chapter. So I'm no, I'm right there with you, Kevin. It needs to be over. As much as much fun as I, I just praised the thing, right? But yeah. it 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 does need to end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, again, great good chapter. So, um, but we, now let's move on to Kaiju number eight, where we got also we also got two chapters for Kaiju number eight with chapter forty three and forty four, um, and this is just a continuation of the fight with Kaiju number nine. And we see that with Kafka um, not being able to transform into Kaiju number eight, Kaiju number nine uh, is actually able to heal all the Kaijus that the first division defeated. Um, so all the all the Kaijus that were in the area are recovered and like terrorizing the, the, um, the entire area and the first division is struggling. And while, while that's going on, Kafka, again, still, still has trouble transforming. So... Uh, Kikuru and ends up stepping in and slices Kaiju number nine in half, but Kaiju number nine's he- rapid healing, he quickly heals from that. And um, uh, Kikuru says, hey, Kafka, you got to help me. We, we got to do this together. We, I cannot defeat this guy alone. And as that's going on, we see back at the Defense Force headquarters, Director, Director General Isao Oshinomiya uh, is watching this entire battle with Kaiju number nine and is told not to step in. And he says, I'm not stepping in. I need to see what the next generation could do because this is their their job to do. So he wants to see what that next generation, which includes Kikuru and, and Kafka. Um, and as Kikuru is trying to plan something out with Kafka, saying that, hey, we got to team up to do this. Like, like I mentioned previously, uh, Kaiju number nine grows a second head, shows that it's incredibly powerful and is able to like very... Or, uh, do some damage to Kikuru, even though she try, tries to attack. So as Kikuru is dealing with these injuries, um, she remembers her own childhood. And this is where we find out that Kikuru's mom was not only just a member of the Defense Force, but she was one of the best members of the Defense Force of her generation. Um, and Kikuru was incredibly impressed by his, her mom, looked up to her and they even told her mom, hey, I, one day I'm going to join the Defense Force. And when I do join the Defense Force, I'm going to be the one to save you, like you saved so many. Um, and as she promised that, we see some time later that Kikuru's mom does end up dying during one of the kaiju attacks. And this is where she gets very upset and um, says that I, I was supposed to save you. And this is kind of where we learn more of her motivation to be a member of the Defense Force. And in the present day, um, we see like, even though Kikuru is like, has a couple injuries, she powers through it and says that I'm not going to allow any of my comrades to 
to die on my watch. So she is ready to confront Kaiju number nine and and fight him to all her best abilities to save everybody. So and that's kind of where we leave off uh, these chapters for Kaiju number eight. Uh, Rock, what, what do you think of these Kaiju number eight chapters? I liked them. I thought both chapters were quality reads. Chapter 43 was enjoyable because we got a little bit not a lot, but a little bit more information on what's going on with Kafka. We know that he has, quote unquote, the great Kaiju power within him. And Kaiju number nine wants it. <laughs> and he's going to extract it from uh, Kafka and take it for himself. So it's not a lot of information, Kevin. But again, we're, we're starting to get in bits and pieces. Matsumoto is giving us in bits and pieces. Some might say, maybe not enough information on Kafka and what's going on with him with this Kaiju power. All right. That's a fair, I think as we are in chapter 40, you know, 44, that's a fair criticism to make that maybe Matsumoto has held back a little bit too much on what is going on with the mysterious Kaiju that entered Kafka and how it's affecting him. And what's the whole point behind it and blah, 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 blah. But having said that we get a little bit of information. We know it's something that Kaiju number nine, wants and that it's a great kaiju so it's something of very a lot of power and very important right uh other than that you know that's the only thing new that we got in chapter 43 really 43 is just there to give kikoro some good action scenes basically and chapter 44 is really there not so much for the action scenes that's really 43 is designed to show you kikoro in action 44 is really designed to to give us more backstory on Kikoro's character and uh, give us a little bit more information at the same time on Isao's character too. And we learn some new information here. We learned that Isao, when he uses these Kaiju-powered weapons, it takes years off his life. So, hey, there's a great cost to these Defense Force people using these you know, kaiju powered weapons. We didn't know that until now. So that's a big piece of information to learn. At least I don't recall knowing it. Maybe they mentioned it earlier. I, I slept through it, Kevin. <laughs> I feel like they, I feel like they, I, I do feel like they they've mentioned it like as they were talking about about it. But again, like this is just reemphasis. Like this was very right. much the biggest attention to the, to that that point about the kaiju weapons that we right. that we've seen. And then we learn more about you know Kikuru's mom Hikari. Um, Isao's wife, we learn more about her. She's got an awesome, I think at least, an awesome character design. Her armor that she wears is almost kind of like this neat kind of insect style. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a combination of like insect and a Norse Valkyrie put together. <laughs> it's kind of how <laughs> I would describe it. It's a cool design though. I really like her look. And I think this is important. It helps to show uh, Kikoro, you know, I've never been a big fan of. I've mm. always found her to be kind of like a, a generic um, standard issue shonen manga character. Mm. So she's just not nothing, not bad. Don't get me wrong. Just nothing particularly of note. Right. That really intrigues me because I found her so standard issue. This at least gives Kikoro a little bit more depth to her character. It gives her a, a more reason for why she does what she does, why she fights for the defense force, why she fights so hard to protect her teammates. It gives her a little bit more depth to her character, a little bit more interest in her 
reasonings for being on the defense force rather than I'm just the daughter of the general, right? Yeah. I'm just the spoiled girl. It, so it makes her character, it gets, it makes her character a little bit more interesting. And it also, it does shed a little light into Esau's character as well. He's obviously not been a good dad. No. <laughs> okay. I think that we haven't hit the ball on that one, but I think you see it's interesting because Esau, we don't see a lot of Esau with the mom, but he seems to be a much more in these flashback scenes, more of a more human. Okay. Not maybe not lighthearted, but more human. And you can see where the Esau that we know now, the cold hearted Esau that we know now, he's born at his wife's funeral. When Kikro is crying and reaching out and calling out for her dad, and he is just there stone-faced, ignoring her and staring at his wife's coffin. And you can kind of see where, okay, Kikoro, uh, her mom's death provided her the, the drive to become, join the Defense Force and make sure that no other member of the Defense Force dies. And on the other hand, Hikari's death basically makes... Esau close off everybody. The pain's too much. And he responds by closing off everyone and becoming single-minded in his hatred for Kaiju. Understandably so, he lost his wife. So I think it makes both characters a little bit more interesting to the reader. Um, I like that we got a little bit more backstory for both characters because, you know, it. I feel like, I feel like both the characters kind of needed it to become a little bit more developed and interesting to the reader, at least to me. Yeah, and I think that it's good that we get some more backstory because I do agree that I think 43 is more just, I, I would say, generic Kaiju number eight um, yes. storytelling. Like, it's not... Yep. doesn't really, The story doesn't progress too much. We get a little bit more detail on, on Kaiju number nine's motivation, but outside of that, it's just more like... It feels like a lot of buildup for mm-hmm. what the big big stuff that's going to be coming down in the future. And the same thing with kind of with 44... 44 is a little bit better, is better because it deals with expanding on Kikuru's uh, um, backstory and stuff like that, which yeah. I, I like because I, I, I actually do like Kikuru and it might just be because like with mangas, I always like the trio. So like I, I always think that right. Kafka, Lino and Kikuru are the trio for this series in yep. terms of yep. friends and stuff like that. So I always do like that mangas that have those three characters that you enjoy. So it's not just the main character. Right. Um, but but yeah, I think it's it's just interesting to see, um, especially with just more development in, in this world and more backstory of this, because we get Kafka's whole thing of um, where his Kaijin, which we kind of always figure because he is the main character of the of the series. Um, so obviously he has some sort of special quality to him that even right. Kaiju number nine, who <laughs> is shown to be like incredibly powerful, wants. Um, right. But we also get, like you said, we get more details of like the weapons for the Kaiju that the Defense Force is using. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of also explains why even General Isao, even though we've, he he's almost portrayed more in grandpa style instead of a dad, like yes. like in terms of how he looks. And now kind of we get yeah. why he seems like he's much older than he yes. would previously be because he he seems like like uh, Kikuru is not that old. She's not even in her twenties yet. Yeah, no. Um, and so maybe these weapons do negatively impact, especially like a person aging very quickly. Um, and that, that's actually an interesting thing because we see so many people in like that is not Kafka and, and the others using these weapons. So is that how 
is there any other negative effects to using these kaiju weapons? Because right. um, we do see like what Mina also uses, like that huge sniper gun. So mm-hmm. we don't know what's impacting her and other characters that use these uh, kaiju weapons. So I think that's an interesting detail just to like add a little bit more complexity to the story and just adding like to the world and like pl- planting seeds for the future where we get to see more kaijus and stuff like that. The story needs to get bigger. Um, and I do like that we get Kikudu's backstory as well with um, kind of her motivation of why she has been so relentless in terms of helping all her yep. comrades throughout like the story. Cause that's one thing that we've seen consistent with her character is that she's always shows up to defend her friends. Yep. And now kind of, we get more of an idea that she, she still has that guilt of like, feeling like that she wasn't old enough to protect her mom. Like she promised. So <laughs> she still carries that, even though she, she was a kid, so she couldn't have done anything, but she feels res- like responsible for her mother's death in a way. Yeah, because she she didn't get to that age to to protect her. So it's um I, I like that and I like that we got a little bit to see her mom and to see that established that she was a badass as well and mm-hmm. and things like that. And like you said, her design is great. Um, and again, just getting more of the weight of the of, of this kaiju world that the kaiju's are big threats as yep. well. So like even one of the best members of the defense force ended up dying and just kind of still planting that of. Hey, they're not safe, and we see that with how the ka- right. kaiju's kaiju's are regrowing their limbs because of kaiju number nine and stuff like that, and expanding mm-hmm. to where the third division's at and stuff like that. So we may even get the third division popping up here again. So, yep. um, so again, there's it's just a lot of setup, but it's solid setup in terms of Kikuda's backstory. I think I definitely does lift this up because I do think that it is kind of getting a little bit boring with Kafka's character i would say mm-hmm. uh, just because mm-hmm. he feels like we're still like just as we were seeing big progression with his character it feels like we took a step back with his character in the, these yeah, chapters feels, it feels like he's stuck in neutral doesn't it yeah yeah and and it's a like i think it's a bad habit for this series to get on early on with the character failing to perform early on and then he has to show up as kaiju number eight at the end i don't i think that's a bad precedent to set set for the series because we see that all the time in, in these type of stories with main characters but it like the more we see it come up in these type of uh, stories like the lamer it gets because it's like uh, okay so we, you're just setting up for kaiju number eight to have a big reveal be the guy that stops right. everything and have his superhero moment and that's it and are we going to constantly get that because that's what we've gotten with kafka's character it feels like every time he transforms into kaiju number eight i agree no it becomes too formulaic and that's what you want to avoid is yeah. becoming so formulaic that now you, the readers predicting every story beat before it happens. And that's, that's no good. And, and there are other fighting mangas that can fall into that trap dragon ball. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's best to avoid it when you can, especially when you're as young as Kaiju number eight is. Yeah. We're only in chapter, we're only in, we're only in chapter 44. It's, it's just too early to be falling into that trap. Matsumoto and- cannot become this predictable. And especially with Masamoto having done such a great job with introducing us to so many great characters that we're all invested in that we know that are super powerful. We, yep. that are even when, even before Kafka was around, they were able to take care of things. Um, right. And now he's just going back. This seems like the world is regressing because of Kafka that now yep. they're, they're relying too heavily on Kaiju number eight to, to, to stop everything. And it, it feels like a regression of this world because of it. It's kind of like the Superman problem that a lot of uh, DC stories have when mm-hmm. it's like a big event story. Yeah. The Superman problem, because 
what do you do? Because it's like everybody fails, fails, fails. And the Superman shows up at the end and wins. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, <laughs> it, all that's going to happen. <laughs> that's that's a perfect way to put it in. I, I kind of hope that um, Matsumoto learns from like even Horikoshi from My Hero Academia, where it's not Izuku's show all the time. Izuku's not the one that stops everything. And I kind of yeah. want Ka- Ka- Kafka to be similar to that of like, he is obviously the main character. He's obviously yeah. going to get the biggest moments and oh, yeah. possibly be the one that stops the big bad at the end. But it's, sure. not just his, it's not just his show. There's many other characters involved in the story that right. deserve to have these moments that should have the moments. Uh, Kevin, not only I'd be okay with, uh, with Kaiju number eight having, because when, when this manga first started, the character that Kafka reminded me the most of was Peter Parker. Yeah. To me, at least. And I'd be okay if you just gave Kafka some more Peter Parker moments, because let's be honest, Spider-Man uh, lost a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Lost a lot. <laughs> so yeah. it's, 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 you can do it without devaluing the character. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You could, you could find a way to make his losses, make the big win that he gets at the end where he does end up saving that ultimately saves the day. Right. Like right. a big, huge moment. Like, because you're right, we saw that a lot. With, we've seen that a lot with Spider-Man, where, like, especially when he fought the, his Rogues Gallery for the first time, he always yeah. ended up losing. But right. he ended up learning from those fights. That's and right. You could you could kind of do something similar to Kafka, where, okay, yeah. he can't defeat Kaiju Number Nine. Can he learn from it outside of being right. like, I need to transform to Kaiju Number Eight. I just need to get stronger. That that can't be the only right. thing that he learns from this. Is that Kaiju Number Eight is the reason why I could fight. It's it's Kafka as a person. Like he needs to learn how to adapt to the situation. It feels like he's not learning to adapt. And like, Mm -hmm. even with him getting some confidence from Kikuru, it still feels like he's going, he's still thinking I need to transform to Kaiju number eight. And and like the story isn't making us believe anything different. I I agree. I agree. So um, again, I think that hopefully like the, these next chat, the next chapters that we get this next month will kind of expand on that a little bit more and just, give us a little bit more in terms of development of characters and give the characters even do more to do. Cause we even saw like Gino with the first division captain, like he didn't do anything in this chapter. Yeah, where'd he go? Like, like he he, after, after, after setting him up to be this incredible badass, he's just standing around watching him. Yeah, and it's like, so why annoying. isn't he doing something? Why isn't like, why aren't all the other, or like his vice captain too. Like, again, there's so many characters, like you got characters, Matsumoto, you could use them. <laughs> and that's yeah. what's, fr- that's what's frustrating is that, Kikuru, as awesome as Kikuru is, I love Kikuru and I love her moments in these chapters, but I want, I don't want it to just be like, you forget the rest of the cast. And it feels like, exact, it feels like Kaiju number eight is forgetting its, ca- its strong cast members that it has. I completely agree. I, I was expecting to get more than just, we've already got Kafka and Kikuru a ton. So I was, and you just introduced some new characters. I mean, you just introduced them and built them up to be pretty pretty damn cool like where is jen like why isn't he in he should be involved in this uh, it's it's unfortunate it seems like Masamoto is forgetting some of the characters i mean kevin what happened to to uh ichikawa mm-hmm. like this was supposed to be kafka's main bro this was yeah. his right hand man right well where'd he go like it just I, I don't feel like at this point that Matsumoto is correctly using the cast of characters that I thought he would based on the opening story arc with how he was using the cast of characters 
so well. I was really impressed, yeah. Kevin, in the opening story with his use of the cast of the uh, cast of characters. It was quite well done. Yeah, and, and I think the one the one that stood out to me and the reason why this irked me so much in this is that like when it was being reported, all the kaijus are 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 revitalizing and things like that. And then also that there's even more kaijus popping up in other areas we don't see the first division going to action. We just see them stand around. So it's yep. like, why aren't like, we just saw them. They're, they are very action heavy. They should be right. like, come fighting. We should, you should show, even if they don't have any dialogue, just show them fighting back against these kaiju that are popping back up or, or right. growing their limbs and stuff like that. They should, you've established uh, that they are very much going to jump into the action. They're not scared, but all of a sudden they're just standing around when these kaijus are, like threat is escalating it, it was like super weird and like against what Matsumoto has been establishing throughout the series yep agreed so um is there anything else that you uh stood out to you with kaiju number eight this this month uh no no right, what would you rate these chapters of kaiju number eight boy i will go only because you're right chapter 43 was just standard issue it's just standard issue actually we've gotten a lot of already and in a much better fashion than that. That kind of felt like a mail-in chapter to me a bit. In chapter 44, I did like the backstory, but I don't know. I'm going to go seven night girls out of 10 for the story. Only because I really liked the backstory that we got that, that was, that was good. And the art it's good art. Again, Massimoto is a great artist and, and it's, it's, it's rare that you're going to get a Kaiju number eight chapter. That's, poorly drawn okay that's just not going to happen more than likely but i didn't think the art was anything i don't know it wasn't like what we've gotten in some of the prior chapters so i'm going to go seven night girls out of ten for the art too yeah yeah, for me i think for the story i would go five night girls out of ten um just Mm because i think kikuru's backstory is definitely the thing that lifts the story up and yes it makes it rate a little bit higher than i would have rated it because um without that i would have rated it much lower um Mm -hmm. and so I do enjoy that. I, I love her, her entire backstory. Um, and that's why I give it a five. But um, with with the art, I give it a seven. And like for overall, uh, Six Night Girls out of 10, just again, it was solid, solid stuff. But it was just a lot. I felt like a lot of filler. It felt very much against the world. Kafka's character feels like it's bringing down the story, really, uh, to, yep. a de- to, to a big, big degree. Um, and hopefully we see more stuff of like the, great solid character development we got from Kikuru to expand on the other characters and other characters getting involved so it's not just one or two characters that get the spotlight all the time agreed so um all right awesome well let's move on to our next uh manga that we're going to be covering which is going to be Dragon Ball Super uh, with their chapter 76 which um is basically just a continuation of the Granola fight where Granola just overwhelms Vegeta, uh, Vegeta causes him to Lose his ultra uh, ultra ego. Sorry about that. Um, transformation, <laughs> and then um, just as Granola is about to uh, kill Vegeta, Goku uh, steps in uh, to uh, to to fight. Vegeta is not happy about this. Kicks Goku away. Tells him that <laughs> this is my fight. Transforms back into ultra ego, but Granola obviously knocks him out again. So Goku transforms into a Super Saiyan Blue. Um, uses some knowledge that he previously had from. Uh, the fight that he had with granola but he still ends up losing uh because granola's power is so overwhelming um this does buy vegeta some time to recover a little bit um and says that hey you know what granola 
you are nothing like your cerulean people um and and he transforms back into ultra ego and he he will accept any revenge that he wants to go against the saiyans on himself so uh, go, uh, Granola and Vegeta start fighting again. Granola does not appreciate Vegeta's comments about not being a true Cerulean, um, and it like just crushes Vegeta to to a pulp with various energy attacks. Um, and while in, in Granola's rage, the people uh, that uh, of the planet that he's on um, see see this and see him as a monster, and he realizes that he's becoming the monster that like when he the Saiyans attacked his people. Uh, that that scary scary look that he had that scared look that he had art art is being seen by those people so um which vegeta again once again calls out granola on about how he's just repeating history uh with this what the saiyans did to uh ceruleans um this pisses off granola even more decides to launch a huge massive attack to just kill vegeta and and goku off but before granola launches this attack oatmeal flies uh, monito uh the namekian that has been living with on, on planet cereal with um and has been granola's best friend basically and gave mm -hmm. uh granola the the dragon balls um tells him hey you need to stop um granola does end up canceling his attack and monito um actually reveals that um the only reason that granola survived the saiyan's attack um on his planet was because there was another saiyan uh, that saved them, and his that saying was Bardock, which was Goku's father, much to everybody's surprise. Um, and that's kind of where we leave off the chapter 76 for Dragon Ball Super Rock. What did you think of this chapter for Dragon Ball Super? It was fine. I again, it, it was predictable that Vegeta was going to get smacked down and that Goku was going to arrive on the scene yeah. to take over the fight. I, I appreciate that Vegeta at least kicked Goku away initially before getting taken down uh, yet again. <laughs> and, and then again. <laughs> at, least, at least Goku then promptly got taken down in like one punch mm -hmm. by Granola. But, it, you know, Vegeta did, did get the cool badass moment of obviously being outclassed and overpowered by Granola, but refusing to lay down, refusing to stop fighting, refusing to give in, refusing to yield very Vegeta like his approach, knowing that he can't win, yet just just it reminded me of the old contest of the champions from the 1980s Kevin when the champions you know takes on all these marvel heroes in in, in uh, fight in in a ring to see who's the strongest right and the thing who we can all agree is not is powerful but he's always considered what second rung below like hulk and thor characters like that right and yet it was the thing who in his fight with the champions he would not lay down he kept getting up no matter how much he got beat on no matter how much he couldn't win he kept getting up and vegeta kind of got that moment which is cool when you're obviously out overpowered you know by your opponent right you at least give that character the fighting spirit heart of champion kind of approach vegeta does at least get that so that's good as a vegeta fan having said that I don't know, Kevin. I just it's a it's been a problem since the beginning of this story arc. I just I've not gotten invested in Granola's character really at any point. I found I found him to be a little bit more interesting 
than originally, but it it's just I, I, it, I've not been sold on his character, and I it it feels like we're just wasting so much time, Kevin, before we get to the predictable moment where Granola realizes the Saiyans aren't all bad and Vegeta and Goku aren't the bad guys and we have to team up to go after the actual bad guys, the heaters. It's just so predictable. And I'm okay with predictable, Kevin, if this fight was just one chapter. You know, if this was just a one-chapter fight and then we got the predictable resolution and everybody got together and went after the heaters, I could live with that. But it's not been one chapter, Kevin. It's not been two chapters. It's not been, it's been, it's too long. All right. It's way too long. It feels (laughs) like uh, how Dragon Ball Z used to extend fights all the time by just like senseless power ups for 23 minutes. It feels Uh, like Dragon Ball Super has become that Dragon Ball Z anime uh, that we used to have. And like, I think Dragon Ball Super was much better at um, uh, resolving so that we didn't cut out some, a lot of that fat that we used to get. From specifically yeah. the anime, not the manga series. Right, right. Um, and it feels like th- this series, this uh, story arc with Granola is very much that. Um, Absolutely. And again, because it just feels like, rep- like you said, it's repetitious fighting and also dialogue because a lot of what uh, Vegeta says here is not very different from what he was saying before. It's the um, same thing, Kevin. And, it, and, still, and, <laughs> it's still the, and it's still the same result. It, like, it's not a different, res, it's not giving us a different result. It's not giving no. us anything, anything that we haven't seen already. And I think that's the biggest problem is that we're not seeing anything different. We're just seeing an extended fight. That's just feels yeah. like this chapter was just, let's get to the Bardock moment at the very, very final page. And yep. it's like, how, how many, how much time do I need to buy to get to that? So that that's the, fi- make sure that that's the final page with the Bardock reveal. Um, which is which is cool because again we get more Bardock and I, I do love Bardock's sure. character. Um, I think he right. like been developed well even outside and like all the stuff that he's appeared in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do like again once once again emphasizing that Goku does come from uh, a good roots. Like even his father, like because his parents were actually good people. Even though with how right. bad the Saiyans were, there's a reason right. why Goku is so much different from like Vegeta, for example. Bingo. Um, yeah, because it's not just like that grandpa gohan raised him um so well but he does have um he comes from good roots in terms of like a no, like bardock is probably like the most noble saying that there is um and which isn't saying much but still <laughs> um, so it was so was that just a uh, misspelling that we got at the end of this chapter uh, for because they they spelled it B U R D O C K, and I've always seen it as B A R D O C. I think that was a misspelling because I know I got B A. I think that's yeah. how it's normally spelled, and that's good job, Biz. Like... Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I, did, I didn't actually notice that because I just noticed Bardock. Yeah, yeah. they spelled it B U R D O C K. Yeah, you think you could get that one right, Kevin? You think? You <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So that's a misspelling, just because I think that Bardock is yeah the what it a. Yeah, it's an uh, yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. So I just I was looking it up, um, but um, but yeah, it's again that that's a good moment just because I like I said I do like Bardock, but it's not that last page isn't going to be enough for to drive like uh, pick up the rest of the story really because again it's just rep- repetitive stuff and I think also the other big thing is just that as we were getting back into like the he- what the heater like how the heaters were we don't see them again at all. So like nope. they haven't really appeared in this, and again they don't get developed at all, and it's just a lot of like, I feel like Toriyama is just expecting us to think of them as a big threat when they ever they appear, but they're, we just haven't been given a reason to buy into that. And by the time 
I feel like this story arc has gone on for so long that now when we do see them, it's all going to just be Deus Ex Machina power levels. Yeah. Um, where, Honestly, where, Kevin, I th- I've forgotten all of their names. It's been so yeah. long since yeah, I've that's seen where, that, That's why I call them the heaters, to be honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like, it feels like their whatever their power levels is just going to be had it just needs to be that way because they need to be stronger than goku vegeta or whatever um and it's not like something that we've seen whereas which is in compared to like more from the previous story arc where we saw how his power was building up we saw how like toriyama was developing his his power and why he was such a dangerous figure we got a lot of development we're not getting that development here in the story arc whatsoever there's like this is the worst kevin this is by far the worst development in buildup of opponents that we have gotten so far on Dragon Ball Super. Up until the story arc, I actually think Toriyama was doing a great job yeah. building up the different opponents that Goku was going to have to tackle and run through. I thought they were doing a phenomenal job. As a matter of fact, it, it, this story arc is a complete 180 compared to everything we've gotten on this manga title from the beginning. It's like two different series written by two different people. It's just not the same at all. Yeah, and it, it's so weird because, again, like you said, that I think the one thing that you could say about Dragon Ball Super is that it's very much well-developed in terms of the, the characters that Goku and his yep. friends have to take on, that every character, like, you believe their power levels and you believe how strong yeah. they are. Yes. But this is the first time in Dragon Ball Super that I just don't believe it. I, I, like, it, I it feels like even Granola his power just doesn't seem up to par. It just seems like it's do sex machina of like, I need it. We needed a strong character to fight Goku and Vegeta. Cause there's no strong characters in these and this universe anymore. Cause we just had the tournament of power. So it's like, Oh man, we just had Jiren who was like basically a God level character. Right. And how which do I, gonna, how do we return which is, that? Which is another reason why maybe after that tournament where you've had you know, Jiren, a God level character, maybe, this is why Toriyama should have gone in a direction that you and I would have preferred. Focus on a different character. If you went and focused on anyone else from the Z Fighters, okay? Yeah. <laughs> but preferably Gohan. Um, and Piccolo. <laughs> right. If you had focused on Gohan, for example, then you, you could work on – he's at a different level than yeah. Goku was on, facing different challenges than Goku, and it would give you the flexibility to do something different, where you feel like now you're boxed in in what you do coming off, you know, Jiren and all those phenomenally powered characters. You, you're kind of boxed in on how you create a good opponent for Goku. If you mm-hmm. pivoted and went to a different character, you could have then taken a different path with more options ahead yeah. of you. Which was, in, which was so weird, too, because... Tori, it feels like Toriyama did build build an option for himself during the moral arc because we he, saw that yeah we saw like not in, in during the moral arc if I remember correctly they they also brought up the fact that how Goku and Vegeta do have godly key and that they might have to end up right. sacrificing that like it was kind of teased that they might have to sacrifice their god key that mm-hmm. they have yeah and I thought that was the direction that we might be going with this rest of the series so that way we could get back to the, like where Goku and Vegeta were at the. the Dragon right. Ball at the end of Dragon Ball Z time skip that we had with Oob. I thought mm-hmm. they like that's what we were going to get into more of like, hey, you know what? They've gotten to such a degree that right. there's going to be an opponent out there that they do need to do a huge sacrifice, which is going to be mm-hmm. the god, god uh, key that they have. 
Yeah. Um, and I thought that was what the next opponent was going to be and more right. development there. But it feels like we're just getting stand like standard opponents of like, oh, this guy needs to be defeated. Yep. It's so. unfortunate. It's it's, so. it's really unfortunate. I will say the art is, is solid, at mm-hmm. least as always. Uh, you know, there's one consistent with with Dragon Ball Super is that uh, Toyotaru is going to deliver some solid artwork. Yeah, <laughs> that's the case for this chapter as well. But I don't know, Kevin, other than that, eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's yeah, it's artwork solid and stuff like that. But again, because the story is so weak that I'm just like it's standard. Yep. It, it's also standard Dragon Ball it is. Uh, artwork that at this point that Toriyama has re- refined so much, and Toyotaru has has very much well uh, crafted in terms of like making sure that it looks like Toriyama's artwork. So, yep. um, so what would you grade out Dragon Ball Super Chapter seventy six overall? Yeah, um, golly, geez. Four night girls out of ten for the story, and I'll go. I don't know. Six night girls out of ten for the artwork. Yeah. So for me, I'm just uh, I'll grade the story a little bit lower. It's three night girls out of ten uh, for me for the story, and four or six night girls out of ten for the artwork. Um, for overall, what is it? Four and a half night girls out of ten yeah, exactly. for, for me. Yeah. But it, it, again, it's just. Just as it felt like we were getting somewhere good, it, it, yep. we're just backtracked to what this granola story arc has been, which is just disappointing. Yep. Um, yeah. So l- let's get go away, get away from that to <laughs> our final uh, series that we're going to be covering this episode, which is going to be Sakamoto Days, which releases chapters thirty-seven through forty. Um, and this we kind of get like with the story of for these chapters, we get uh, Wu Tang is actually now working at the Sakamoto family. Uh, convenience store and this is where Wu-Tang finally reveals to the information that he knows about Mr. X and this is where we get details that Mr. X actually recently um, slaughtered several inmates that were on death row at a Southeast Asian uh, Supermax prison uh, several days ago with the same killing style that those inmates were um, killed people so and this is kind of they quickly realized that the inmates that Mr. X likely killed were that was all faked and that those inmates actually escaped and are out in the lamb. And we actually see this to be true because the, the four inmates that Mr. X supposedly killed are actually now in Japan and Tokyo, which we find out that their name, um, they, they end up actually at a McDonald's in the Senjuku prefecture of, of Tokyo. And we find out that their names are dump saw apart and minimalist. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, these four uh, assassins are given a file of, or for, Therefore, inmates are given given a, a packet of assassins that they need to kill, which include the Sakamoto family and the order, um, which includes uh, Nagumo. And so we see over the next few days that all the all, all these death row inmates go about killing all the people that are in the in the packet um, because after they promised that they would do it within a month. Um, so they are going through Japan, killing all the, the assassins that uh, they're assigned to kill, um, except for. Um, the only one that actually doesn't kill anybody is Saw. He just relaxes at a hotel. Um, and yeah. while that's, go- that's going on, the Sakamoto family is just going about their day. They're like, you know, they're out there, but let's just have our normal day. Um, so while the Sakamoto family are having their normal day, the order, which includes Nagamo, Hiao, Osaragi, um, Shishiba, and Takamura, um, they all discuss that they need to take on these four assassins. And they decide that they're going to take on the, uh, these assassins um, individually, just split up and go find them. 
Um, so as that they discuss that, we also see how badass the el elder uh, member of the, the of the order is with Takamoto slicing the car in half as like it seems like somebody's after them as well. So so we kind of see see his skill as well. Um, and again, the, we go back to the Sakamoto family just living out their, their normal days and just ca casually doing what they do in their normal lives. And that includes like Shin and Lu going to a pet store. But as they get to the pet store, that's where they're confronted by Saw and Saw immediately starts fight, fighting uh, Shin and Lu and he, he just completely overwhelms them. They're not able to do anything. They just stay on the defensive the entire time and they get severely injured. Um, and this is where Saw just threatens the Sakamoto family saying, hey, I'm going to kill everybody just like I easily defeated you guys. Um, and Shin hears this. Um, and gets incredibly pissed off and actually looks into the future and sees all of uh, Saw's future movements and is able to land a powerful strike on Saw. And that's where we kind of end with Shin uh, in his powered up mode of like ready to defeat Saw. Um, Rock, what did you think of these chapters for Sakamoto family? I loved them. I loved them. Sakamoto Days has rapidly become one of my absolute favorite titles. I have just fallen completely in love with this manga. I adore everything about it. It is now quickly rivaling Spy X Family for my heart and affection. It is just, it's just great. Again, you get a wonderful blend of action and comedy. Suzuki is equally adept at both, Kevin. It, he really is. It's phenomenal how well Suzuki can just sh seamlessly shift between comedy and action. And I'm talking like brutal, violent, hardcore action, just nasty, bloody, hardcore action and shift seamlessly right back into comedy. And it works. Yeah, It never feels inappropriate, either the violence or the comedy actually works it's consistent believe it or not the tone of the story is consistent that is so hard for a writer to pull off those kind of extremes without one of them looking way too forced or weird you know what i'm saying yeah yeah and it it all feels like they're in the same world i think that's the biggest yeah. thing they all like even though there's like we saw with the uh, dumps uh apart and minimalist going about killing all those assassins like how brutal they they did that. And then you get that mm -hmm. um, compared to like the Sakamoto, Sakamoto family just living out their normal lives like they normally do. And you just right. see that, that that's an average right. thing. But I think he, his artwork, he does such a good job making sure that everything feels like a cohesive world. Like, even mm -hmm. though they, these are very extreme, like different extremes of like one is comedy, one is very serious, act, dark action. They all mm -hmm. feel like they're part of the same world. And I think that that is important for the series because like, again, it's in that action comedy um cycle yep. but it's very like when it comes to the action it's very much way more brutal than like spy x family for oh, example way more way more agreed i i like also that suzuki introduces several new characters he's doing a great job with the roster we we're complaining about how matsumoto's handling the roster of characters over in kaiju number eight well that is not the case with suzuki in sakamoto days he's doing an awesome job juggling a really large roster of characters kevin and given each character uh, their moment to shine which 
is way harder than it seems. I like the four new death row inmates that we have as the four antagonists, dumb, saw apart, and minimalist. They have cool names. They have cool gimmicks. They have interesting personalities. They have good character designs. They look neat. These are really four quality antagonists for our heroes to tackle. I like all four of them. I like that we get to see the order together. This is the first time we've seen the order all together in, as one unit. We've seen a we saw you know we saw what three of them meeting at one time, but this we seen we see them all together. I like all the members of the order. They're all very interesting. Of course, Kevin, uh, my favorite member of the order. The old I mean, man. It's Takamura, right? Come on, <laughs> he's the coolest because he's just there sleeping and drooling on himself and sleeping. All of a sudden, what is the show? He just slices off the top of the bus and slices yeah. off the highway interstate sign with one swipe of his katana. Just super cool and badass. Characters like that, Kevin, big thumbs up for me. Always love those kind of characters. <laughs> He's so cool. And then immediately goes right back to sleeping again. <laughs> yeah. Just fantastic. And, and, and um, I like the I like the design for each of the members of the order as yes. well. So they all have like yes. very different, unique designs mm-hmm. to the characters. So and I, I very much like that. Um, yes. And, and kind of like just by through the artwork, you're, you're mm-hmm. able to establish how they're each badasses. Yes. And, like you don't need right. to. You don't need to do even like you need to, don't need nope. to show them in action. You could just nope. have a cool, badass design for each of the characters, and you know that they're not to be messed with whatsoever, and that yep. they're probably they are on Sakamoto's level most likely. Oh yeah, yeah, it's 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 really well done, and I also like that like every shonen manga, Kevin, you need a ranking system, don't you? You need a ranking system for your characters, and in this one, when our four death row inmates get their list of people to bump off in Japan, each character gets a ranking. Yeah, S being top level, so S is top level, and then it, then it goes your traditional like A, B, C, D, down yeah. you go. Well, I like that. I like rankings. It's such a typical shonen yeah. manga trope it's cool they're fun rankings are always enjoyable but what's neat about it is suzuki kind of he surprises the reader at least he surprised me kevin because we've got sakamoto as only a b plus which Mm. insults sakamoto greatly when he finds out he's just a b plus (laughs) he is like his glasses break he's so pissed about this and so insulted but it's great because you'd think people would discount him because he's you know because the way he looks now yeah and that's what i was gonna say is that even the picture of him is the his fat version. It's not yes, his old yes, old school yes. version, like his skinny self, like that we see that we've seen be like unstoppable. It's it is the fat version of Sakamoto. So it's like on one end you're like, it seems low, but at the same time you're like, it's reasonable because everybody that's what everybody believes because he's gotten just fat and lazy. Right. <laughs> it's it's perfect with how the character is portrayed and how the characters perceived by everyone else so i like it it's 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 yeah. really well done and it, it adds i think it's also important because i think sakamoto because he is so op mm-hmm. and can just do anything and everything i mean the dude's like totally super powered uh, without without suzuki ever admitting that he's super powered um i think it's good that Suzuki shows him being 
kind of not taken as seriously by his opponents. That's good yeah. for the character because yeah. if because he is so OP, if everybody was like, oh no, you can't mess with him, it would the comedy would be robbed. Yeah. From yeah. the story. So yeah. And I think that's important. And I think also like he does a good good job in terms of setting up the four villains of this story arc with the four right. Defro inmates of uh, yes. Very much apart, so. minimalist and and dump like all each of those characters you like you see they're not mm-hmm. just their designs but their actions you're like yeah yeah they they are yeah they deserve to be in a maximum security prison and they're oh yeah why they were there and all that stuff so yeah like the world is very much in danger right now and like you do oh, get yeah. that you do get that sense as soon as like not like you see them you're like everybody is in trouble yeah. right now so it's like and then oh. you see them actually in action where like mm-hmm. you see what is it uh, uh what is it dump she like has like some yes some nails like through through these uh, this uh-huh. that one assassin like that goes through his body yep. you see how like uh minimalist just chops people's heads off and then uh, <laughs> yeah, what yep. is it um apart just like basically cuts somebody up into pieces it's just like disassembles everybody yeah it's 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 crazy how seeing how their abilities and like it, it quickly established i think that's an effective job of like using one page to oh. establish each character yeah. you don't need more than that and oh you got them quickly over and then mm-hmm. that go- gets into like saw who was the lazy one of like i didn't want to do anything yet yeah that, yeah. that kind of sets him up for his big battle with shin and lu yeah. of like yep of how oh man yeah he is not to be messed with at all either mm-hmm. and like you see how like because lu and shin were not able to even put in a punch until the very end right uh, like all they were in the defensive the entire time and they they were ne- nearly killed um if Shin didn't get pissed off and use his future site to actually right. get a punch in. So it's like, again, just developing these characters as very good villains, as, mm-hmm. as tough opponents that uh, the Sakamoto family and the order are going to have to take on. It's going to be, and I'm glad that also we got at the end of chapter 40, it didn't end with Sakamoto or one of the order members coming in. Right. It was actually Shin like showing yeah. that he is actually competent. Cause like sometimes we, we've yes. talked about it of like how Lou and Shin, sometimes they're both equally mm-hmm. not, it's not that they're incompetent is that they're not on sakamoto's level whatsoever no they're not they're not and so it's like and we see that again here where like even them together they're barely able to take on um saw like he, mm-hmm. he they're, bar- they're barely able to like stay alive that entire time and right shin getting pissed off that makes him actually yes. become like now actually strong enough to possibly defeat saw and i'm I, glad that i love that because they go suzuki goes out of his way see I didn't see this coming because I always kind of viewed Shin as kind of just a level like young and raw in his talent, right? But but being talented enough that he could, with the right training, become on a level, not maybe not on Sakamoto, but but very close. That he has the potential to be a a member of the order if if he were to get properly trained in seasons, right? And Lou, I've always kind of you know kind of put her as kind of like. Not, you know, she's got a funny gimmick where she's a drunken fighter, yeah. which is hilarious. But I, I, I kind of put her on a much lower, like, I would never imagine her getting on the level to be a member of the order, right? And yet, Suzuki totally swerves you by having Lou get the C rank and mm-hmm. Shin getting the D rank and Shin being so, like, insulted by this because he does have potential, right? Yeah. Potential is just potential until you realize it. It doesn't matter. And I thought that chapters 39 and 40 delivered some awesome character moments for Shin who 
he got some good work when we learned a little bit about his past, you know, mm-hmm. with how he got his powers and whatnot. So we learned a little bit more about his past. But I like this because this is really Suzuki's finally going, okay, Shin's been, again, you mentioned it. It's not like Lou and Shin are jokes, but they're clearly kind of, you know, the kids that are comedic, that are Sakamoto has to kind of just, you know, keep keep a hold of. Yeah. Uh, their youthful exuberance right you and, gotta you also gotta remember that they're they're still kids like they're what right. both like 16, eight, 16 to 18 year olds yeah. they're, not, they're not super like no experienced at all like even at like, all. W- since we've been introduced to them you get see, you see that like they're not very much w- w- world traveled or anything no. like that like sakamoto and like so they still have a lot of room to grow and like that's why i say that like it's good to see them both fighting together just to kind of get that what their level is um and they're very much equal i feel like they're very much equal in terms of like their actual level um even though even though uh lou is a little bit higher in c rank but i think that is also going back to like, <laughs> what you what you mentioned of like they're probably taking into account they're, they're probably putting into account her her drunk style which she doesn't right. use, she doesn't use in this chapter either right uh, or that the chapter 40 um but they're probably taking that into account that's why she's a little bit higher tiered in, yes. in shin because shin doesn't actually up to this point hasn't shown anything that's like superhuman yep. whereas right. lou at least has the drunk style that's been somewhat superhuman correct but but i like in chapter 40 that suzuki really we 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 see some of we see shin really yeah. kick yeah. it into a different gear yeah and i thought that was awesome i like that we see shin despite him being very much a comedic character in chapter 40 you see the serious side of shin he and- really knuckles up he's fighting an opponent who's much more powerful he's being dismissed he's being disregarded he's being discounted and kevin the final like what four pages where shin is just like it's like he's just he he's leveled up and he has it's like he's got an entirely different his face is different right his his hair is spikier he's yeah his hair is spikier it's this aura around him is totally and he's just like I can see your future. Look at you, look at you, look at you. And just starts just blasting into Saw. And you're like, oh, shit. Someone just got a power upgrade, didn't they? Because his his power should be able to be evolved enough where he can fight someone knowing every move they're going to do before they do it, rather than just reading your mind or reading yeah. your thoughts. And and I'm glad that it was just also that like the final straw that broke the camel's yes. back was yeah. was the like be, the, his family being threatened like he, he yes. does like it, again once again just saying that how reminder of again the power of friendship but the, in this yep. case it's the power of family that like Shin has really become close to to everybody yep. in the Sakamoto family because he thinks of everybody in the um, yeah in the extended Sakamoto family in this so it's like it's That's super right. it's super good to like that be part of his his journey as well. Absolutely. It's, it's very reminiscent where Yor uses Lloyd and Anya and Bond as her inspiration, yeah. right? It, it, you're right. Shin uses his, it, it is, it's his family. It's, it's Mr. Sakamoto. It's his Sakamoto's wife, you know, his daughter. It's Lou. It's uh, the guy. Oh, what's his name? The Nag- guy. Nagamo. Yeah. Nag- Nagamo. You know, it's, it's, it's his new family that then inspires him to hit bring it up to an entirely different level and i just like again it's that the the theme of family is so important to this title it is so crucial to it it's nice to see 
that mm. being the basis for Shin's evolution. It's just, this is really good character work. And this is what's so cool about Suzuki. Very much uh, like how Endo with Spike's family, Suzuki is, is really good. His action scenes aren't mindless action scenes. Mm-hmm. In his action scenes, he is, he is doing character work. He is yeah. doing character work. He's not just mailing it in and just giving you like what you get on Dragon Ball Super, mindless action. There is character work going on in the action scenes in Sakamoto days. Really good stuff, I think. Yeah, and I and I think that it it all just kind of speaks to the strength of this series that it's not just on Sakamoto. It doesn't need to be Sakamoto show the entire time, too. Yes. So, and I'm glad that like he didn't go the obvious predictable route of Sakamoto showing up at the end to to say oh thank Lu God and, and Shin. Um, yes. That it was actually Shin that did it because that also saves Sakamoto for one right. of the others because we kind of seen that like minimalist has been set up as a probably like top uh, of the four, of the four or say say at least save sakamoto for one of the one of the other ones so because you do have right. four four bad guys and you don't yes. want to you don't want to just have like sakamoto fight all of them you want the right. others to fight so it's it's good that like he's at least saving it he knows that like there he does have four other like three other characters that that are very good he, Suzuki's real. What we're complaining about Kaiju number eight is not happening here. Suzuki's got, he is built out a really nice roster of characters. He really has in, in Kevin in a relatively short order of time. I mean, look where we are. We're this, this is just chapter seven, uh, sorry, chapters 37 to 40. We're still early on in this manga and he has built out an impressive roster of characters. And more importantly, he gives amazingly enough he's able to juggle all these characters and give them decent enough panel time which is very impressive um it's gonna be interesting to see where where they go from here because there's a again just we have the setup with the other three the other three uh, um inmates that that we saw briefly that actually did some action so it's gonna be interesting to see how they're positioned and if saw maybe was the, like the lowest right. level of the of the four because that's kind of what the idea that we get here but right at, but at the same time th- this story arc does feel like it might be the longest story arc that we might we'll have in in this series because we already have three chapters in this yeah we'll, i from, think so and they're especially with the fight so that's what gets me excited is that we're going to probably get some great action uh, mm-hmm. along with some good comedy because there's again you could do a lot with you don't have to burn out the other three assassins right away you already got the setup and so you could have some long-term character development for each yep. of them. Yep. And like Saw is just kind of just mm-hmm. a teaser of what we're going to get in this. Yeah. And you still got the order members who haven't gotten involved too. You know, yeah. they're going to get involved in this fight somehow. I, I, yeah. I agree with you. I think that Suzuki's, well, he's bringing the Sakamoto family. He's bringing in the four uh, death row inmates and he's bringing in the members of the order. He's also got um, X hanging out there in the background, right? Mm-hmm. I think he's pulling in so many characters that it's a tip off that this is going to be a very substantial story arc. This might, Kevin, this might end up being the biggest story arc we've gotten so far on this young title. Yeah. And, and, I, and that makes, that makes things exciting for just the story overall that, cause it does feel like with each story arc, the story is getting much bigger. Um, cause even though we got the comedy, more comedy centric of like with Wu-Tang and, uh, and Lou's family, um, but now we're getting back into the main story arc with right. the Mr. X that was introduced previously. So it feels like now with that we're building up the Mr. X part of it, that things are just going to get 
bigger and just better overall because like it's involving not just Sakamoto but the entire cast that has been built out over the last 40 chapters of the series oh yeah it's there is there is boy there is so much for Suzuki to go through it's going to be really exciting where he takes the story I, I I think he's done a wonderful job building up this world Kevin and building up this entire universe and, and populating with really really intriguing characters Awesome. Well, all right. Well, what would you rate these chapters overall for uh, Sakamoto days? I'm going to come in high. I'm coming in high, Kevin. I'm going to give these chapters nine night girls out of 10. I just had a blast. I just loved everything about it. Yeah. And the art, you know, the art, Suzuki's art is kind of what you and I were mentioning when we talk about um, Horikoshi's artwork on My Hero Academia. Mm -hmm. Suzuki also paces himself. You can tell panels that aren't Again, I don't want to say aren't important, but the panels that aren't the big important panels, right? Yeah. Because he kind of just does the, you know, the basics in those panels. And then in the big moments, he delivers really nice artwork. So it's a bit now I think it's a bit more uneven than what Horikoshi does. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I think Horikoshi, when he's just kind of when he's not putting his best effort in, is still a little bit more consistent yeah. what Suzuki does on his panels who's not putting his best effort in if you know what I'm saying yeah no yeah and he because Horikoshi also has had over 200 chapters to right. develop like three or 300 chapters to develop his style so right um compared compared to here where it's like 40 chapters right so not not quite fair comparison agreed yeah. but I think the 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 lower the, the lows are a little bit lower yeah Suzuki on no, I understand to be fair uh, I'm gonna give the art though I mean the, the moments that are big do look great though, Kevin. And, and the action is very cool. And the characters designs are really nice. So I'm going to go, Oh, this is tough. I want to give it a, I want to give it a seven, but I probably should give it a six Nichols out of 10. Okay. Yeah. So for me, <laughs> I think actually I'll agree with you with the overall your score actually is like night night grows out of 10 for the story and then right. for me the artwork I, I do enjoy it i think it's a good right. balance of like w- when it comes to the action it, it's very dynamic when it comes yes. to the comedy it's very lighthearted. i think he mm-hmm. does strike a good balance with that mm-hmm. um there are obviously some sketchier moments but i i think overall i do actually enjoy it so it's a seven night grows out of 10 for me for the art so it's overall right. eight night grows out of 10 so mm-hmm. um again it's super fun and i'm very excited to this story arc that's just beginning that getting more of it and it looks like we're in store for a lot of great chapters for sakamoto family so absolutely awesome all right awesome well again brock that's where we're going to end this episode of the concrete revolution podcast so and thank you very much for joining me uh, on this episode rock as always my man yeah and again we'll we'll catch up again and we'll be back to cover some news and and other uh stories and stuff like that next month so i hope hopefully everyone has a good rest of your day